what I think it's sort of this little secret that people, you know, people will talk about, I, I want to find a, a mate or whatever, but it's a little more vulnerable to say, I, I need friends, right? That's supposed to come easy. And so I think I first thing is just, it doesn't necessarily come easy the older we get. I know, you know, people would say that all the time. I was like, whatever, you know, I, I don't believe that the older we get, the harder it is, but you're not in those situations, right? You're no longer at college or maybe you don't work in an environment where everybody goes out for happy hour every, you know, after work. Um, so, it, you know, I think the first piece of vulnerability is literally realizing that you're going to have to probably work at it and put yourself out there. And that doesn't make you weird. And that doesn't mean something's wrong. Hey there, lady. My name is Molly Conley, and I'm devoted to helping women reinvent their love lives, whether that's after divorce, dating on and off the apps, or in their committed relationship. Why? Because I've been there. I'm a former college athlete who filed for divorce three years into marriage, swam in the online dating pool into my late 30s, and now I am married to the man of my spreadsheet dreams who I met four months before the world shut down. As a dating and relationship coach, I help my clients shift the focus from being obsessed with finding Mr. Right to shifting to herself as Miss Right Now. We build a foundation filled with clarity, connection, and confidence, knowing she is worth waiting for. Each week on the podcast, I'll bring you love life insights and savvy guests where you will receive the courage to release programmed limiting beliefs. Discover patterns and behaviors restricting you from finding and attracting quality men and ways to choose yourself first so you can build a foundation for a healthy relationship with yourself and a partner. Why, hello there, lady. Welcome back to the Reinventing the Arena podcast. Today, I have a guest who describes herself as recovering risk avoidant scaredy cat. Through her own journey of personal development, Amanda McPherson became a trained therapist, leadership coach, and a motivational speaker. Her passion is helping individuals reach their highest potential in both their personal and professional lives. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you, Molly. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. It is going to be a great episode. Like I mentioned to you before we started recording, there's a lot of ladies that have been reaching out to me, telling it's something they're going through. And what I love um, in order to get us started is how your personal journey, as I recently explained, includes those three areas that work so well together, therapy, coaching, motivational speaking. Um, Can you share how you got started on that for your personal development journey? Sure, Molly. Yeah, I think probably like a lot of us in this line of work, you know, I, I, I was trying to figure out the, the ever sort of plaguing question as how am I going to be happy in my life? You know, what is going to fulfill me? What is my purpose? Those types of questions. And I, you know, it was in a speech the other day, I mentioned, I think I was thinking about this. I know I was thinking about this stuff, even from my early teenage years, you know, really struggling to think, what is, why does, why do they seem so at peace and so confident and so happy? And, and I, I struggled to find that. So it's really my journey of trying to find out the answers, uh, to, to that question, you know, what is going to make me happy? Um, and so I, I was in a totally different career for well over a decade. That was a fine job. I mean, it was, I made a good living. My dad was proud to tell people what I did. It was sort of a prestigious looking role from the outside, but I 
always knew what really made me tick and what I was really interested in was what created, you know, how people became who they, who they were and, and again, how they could become happier, more fulfilled. So eventually I went back to school while I was working full-time. I just say that because I want people to know there are ways to make this happen. If you feel like you're not ready just to leap and uh, take a vow of poverty or whatever to go after your passion. I worked a full-time job, went to school at night, got my master's degree in counseling, uh, then eventually decided coaching was more of the fit for me uh, for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I like the idea of, of it being, um, in, not that therapy can't be, but it, it's empowering, it's forward moving. Yeah. And, and really for me, coaching is what made me from what I call just a really self-aware young woman who could talk about her issues uh, forever to someone who truly did things differently, changed my career, started dating differently, right, Ollie? And started, <laughs> you know, showing up in this world differently. While therapy was great, I think, to maybe get me to where I was open to that or help me understand some things about my past. Coaching was so powerful that I'm just really became on fire about it. And I've always been a bit of a weirdo that I love speaking in front of people. You know, you, you said it in my bio, I am a total scaredy cat in so many ways. I, I have was so afraid, but for some weird reason, uh, standing in front of a bunch of people and, and talking and performing wasn't one of them. It's an area where I get a thrill. So, uh, and, and feel a lot of energy. So I, I do do speaking uh, a lot of it. I just spoke to 700 college age girls the other day, mm-hmm. uh, which is to me such a well, women, we're always trying to figure out so many things about life, right? It's never quite kind of easy in some yeah. ways, but what a formative time of life, right? So I have a real soft spot in my heart for women sort of at that stage, really trying to figure out who they are, how they want to show up in this world, what they value. So that may have been a longer answer than you were looking for, but yeah. No, that's great because like it just shows, especially I love the difference between therapy and coaching. A lot of people mm-hmm. kind of get hung up on that. And the easiest way is always to say, oh, well, therapy goes backwards, coaching goes forwards. But, you know, in coaching, we kind of go backwards a little bit, but you're so right. You become so self-aware when you do therapy, but it's not always like, hey, here's your next step. I also went through therapy, um, not for personal reasons, but not for development for my business. So (laughs) definitely was the one that really helped accelerate that for me. Yeah, it was the thing that, you know, pardon my French, but really made me think maybe I do have an inner badass in me, you know, whereas that's what coaching did, whereas therapy was cathartic and and wonderful to have someone to to talk to. And and I value that there's a time place for that, but channel that inner badass. (laughs) Well, yeah. And like you said, being able to stand up in front of people and speak. Mm -hmm. When I first started this podcast, I mean, just by myself, I couldn't even handle the idea of hearing my own voice, let alone like asking someone to come on here and talk with me. I was like, so scared the first few people I interviewed and they were people I knew. So um, after a while, you just practice, you get better at it, but you saying right away, something you could easily do. I am very envious and I can only imagine how many people listening feel the same (laughs) way. Well, it's so weird. Again, like I said, there's a lot of things you probably do that you, that, that would cause me nervousness and anxiety, but yeah, I was a theater nerd growing up and saying, and so, you know, it kind of started from a young age that oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and another thing about your story and it just, it's beautiful. Honestly, when I was doing a little bit more research on you, um, hearing about your story and your personal side, 
you know, I'm divorced. I Mm -hmm. was divorced actually before the age of 30 and I tried online dating, Mm -hmm. um, and real life dating, but I didn't meet my, my current husband until about the world shut down. So I was about 37, 38 and we married two years later. And, um, what I loved was how you focused on when you were single, becoming more of yourself. And really before you found a husband, which was finding more of a, like almost just cultivating that nurturing Mm -hmm. friend group. Can you share Mm -hmm. how you came to that realization was what you needed? You know, I I'll be honest that a lot of my energy for a long time was spent on finding this man, this, this Prince charming that was going to rescue me from life really. And I know it's 2023 and that's not a very empowered Barbie, you know, thing to say. Right. Uh, but, but I'm sorry. And I know you probably know this too, Molly. There's still a lot of that. I have young women that still feel like that is the thing, this black cloud right over them. So I get that. I want to say that I get that. And from a very young age, it was boyfriends and boy craziness. And, and I, you know, I think it, it kind of, it kind of came in hand, hand in hand with my career change to be completely honest. So that was in my early thirties where I was like, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Right. And keep my, my continued looking at this man to answer all my life problems or, or save me from having to do things on my own. And, you know, I just, that wasn't happening. And I, you know, I thought, while I had friendships before, I'll be honest, it was a lot of focused on, on men. Right. Uh, and, and I, I think that that switch happened for me is like, you've got to get, not that I ever gave up hope, which we can talk about. I, I did end up you know, finding someone and I'm married, happily married, but I, and I, and, and it did come, came at even a later age for me, but I, um, I, it was this realization that you need to be okay. Even if this never happens for you. Right. I, I think that's so important. It's not about giving it up. It's just about knowing you will be okay. You are whole and you need a purposeful, happy life. So friendships became even more, they were always part of my life, but maybe on a little more surface level yeah. until I, you know, I realized, you know, this is, I have all these people that really want to, that are so full of love and support. And am I nurturing those as much as I'm worrying about some dude and whether he's calling me or not. Right. So I, um, so I, I really, you know, I think that, and I say this too, but kind of came at the time I, um, changed careers because then I I was also meeting like-minded people. I I was in my, um, master's program, getting my counseling degree and I had a lot in common, you know, we tended to be sort of birds of a feather flock together. So we tended to have a lot in common. When I got into my coaching world, I met people that shared values and shared wanting to look toward the positive in the future. Not that I let, you know, I, I definitely have friends that I've had for 30 years or more, but I think that the more you get aligned period, right. In your life, um, your, your career, your life purpose, where you're hanging out. Uh, of course, you're just going to meet people that, um, are, are really a deeper sort of type of friendship. Right. And that connection mm-hmm. is so much more long lasting. Um, and I always feel like for women, and maybe you can relate to, for me, I, I don't have any kids and when I don't either, <laughs> yeah. my friend. Yeah. So then okay. you know how it can be where all of a sudden your friends have kids and 
things get on their mm-hmm. plate and that friendship kind of starts to fizzle out unless there is something else that holds it together really substantially. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I have a, it's not that you can't have amazing friends that are, if you're single that are married or have kids, but I just like to be realistic. It's just not going to be the same. First of all, if they're, you know, as a single woman, I know that I felt more okay in this world and less alone because I had a pack of women that were in the same exact boat as me. And I do think that's important. And I, and I tell my single uh, clients, as I'm sure you do too, I say, it is one of the um, things that comes with being single is that you'll probably need to keep putting energy and keep cultivating those friendships. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know coupled people need them too, but let's be honest, you've got your built-in Friday night movie watcher. You've got your someone to go to dinner with. It's just different. So it's not about dumping all those other friends, but I do think having friends that are in your same stage of life is huge. And you have to, I worked at that. I did have friends. I had many friends who I thought were cool, smart, interesting, and they were also single. So I didn't feel so out of it or, you know, the weird one, the odd one out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the one that was constantly trying to be set up by all her friends who have boyfriends or husbands and all that. Like I went through that phase. It was so annoying. And I did cultivate a group of, you know, single men and women where Mm -hmm. we were just friends and nothing would happen otherwise, but it was so much more fun. And it would allow those moments of being like, we can all go out together and then if we want to go to the friend that has their kid's fourth birthday party, we can, and we can leave okay. too. Cause it, it was, a, it's a whole different sort of yeah. um, responsibility and freedoms that are different than others. So it is, it's just is, and it's nothing against the married friends or the friends with kids or whatever, you know, you started cultivating these friendships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What were you really looking for in those friendships? Someone who's reliable and consistent is really important to me. Maybe other people can handle it. Maybe it's my stuff, but I like, you know, if, if, if we're going to spend time together or, you know, we make a plan, uh, too much flakiness, that's, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> uh, that affects me. I, I care. And, and I, I put a lot into my friendships. I, I feel like I do invest a, a lot of time and energy. So that reciprocal level of, of that, you know, is, is huge to me. So, uh, of course, then, you know, we have to have a lot of, you know, have a lot of fun together, a lot of laughter. I would say shared values. And, and yes, when I was in high school, I was on the like prissy girls dance team. And I went to prom with a guy who was wearing makeup, who was, you know, a gag, you know, <laughs> like right. I've always kind of had this eclectic group. So I wouldn't say they're, they're cookie cutter, but what they have in common is, you know, they're, they're, I call them safe friends. They're people I feel like I can be myself around. They're people who I feel like that um, they do follow through. They are someone that, you know, we rely on each other. Uh, we can count on each other. We're, we're somebody who we can be imperfect or mess up and it doesn't ruin the friendship. Um, and fun is one of my top values. So we got to have a lot of fun. <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. And like when you were thinking even um, about how diversified, like of how people are, it's it's so wonderful that you were able to show up authentically with those friendships. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that sometimes as we get older and try to cultivate adult friendships, 
that sometimes we put on a mask for a little bit because we don't want to be open and vulnerable because if we are and this person ends up flaking us, we just wasted that like emotional part of ourselves. I know it's happened to me. It sounds like it's probably happened to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever coached women around that part of the friendship of like trying to open up and be vulnerable in order to gain that trust for a new friend? I definitely, you know, if we haven't already said this, right, when we're very much normalized, just in general, if you're feeling like, oh my God, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it. I don't have friends right now. You know, I, I'm feeling a bit friendless or I'm, I'm not where I'd like to be in that. I want to normalize that. So as you mentioned, Molly, you have many women that bring that up. I have men and women uh, uh, that bring that up uh, to me. So I just what I think it's sort of this little secret that people, you know, people will talk about, I, I want to find a, a mate or whatever, but it's a little more vulnerable to say, I, I need friends, right? That's supposed to come easy. And so I think I first thing is just, it doesn't necessarily come easy. The older we get, I know, you know, people would say that all the time. I was like, whatever, you know, I, I don't believe that the older we get, the harder it is, but you're not in those situations, right? You're no longer at college or maybe you don't work in an environment where everybody goes out for happy hour every, you know, after work. Um, so it, you know, I think the first piece of vulnerability is literally realizing that you're going to have to probably work at it and put yourself out there. And that doesn't make you weird. And that doesn't mean something's wrong. Uh, and when I moved to, um, I live in California now, but I lived in Austin, Texas for quite some time. And when I first moved to Austin, I met a couple of women that I really liked, you know, just people that I kind of sparked that kind of, oh, I'd like to be her friend. And they had lived there longer. So they already had an established friend group. They already had people they knew. And, you know, I don't, thankfully, I guess I had done enough work on myself or something that I was willing to put myself out there a bit more. I knew I would probably need to invite them and, and and reach out to them, not because they didn't like me necessarily, but just because I wasn't top of mind. They already had their little crew. I didn't. So I think stretching yourself a little bit there, if if you're well, you know, that that's, that's just, it's, again, it's just a reality. You're not, people could really, really like you, but if they've kind of got an established routine and established friend group, so that is to me one of the biggest um things to first just to to get over thinking, you know, it, it's a lot like dating, right? Oh, they didn't they didn't respond like I wanted or they didn't, you know, I'm out. I'm pulling out. It's like give it a if it's somebody you really think could be a good potential friend for you, maybe be willing to be a little more vulnerable. Put your neck out there a little bit. Oh yeah. I definitely can relate, mm-hmm. especially when I, I mean, I mentioned this to you, Amanda, offline mm-hmm. went before recorded that, you know, I moved to St. Louis two years or so ago, and I've been so heads down my business that growing friends, like getting that friendship group here has been a little bit more difficult than reaching out and meeting other coaches online and other people that I can, you know, just network and meet online for mm-hmm. some reason. It's just, it's just fascinating. But like you said, it does take more effort. And I, for personally, I forget, you know, and I think all of us have been there too. Like we're even when someone's like judging us or thinks something happened, like they're not constantly thinking about that moment. So it's going to also be hard to keep that person that you're trying to make friends with top of mind, um, have you be top of mind with them when they already have that foundation of their routine, their Mm -hmm. lifestyle, everything already set. But that doesn't mean you can't you know, put yourself a little bit more out there and reach out to, you know, 
go get coffee in two weeks or what. Right. Right. And before you know it, you know, when I think back to those women in Austin, I mean, a couple of them, they became good friends of mine, but they, it it took, it took a little more of me, I say, courting them, you know, and that's what it felt like a little bit. They weren't, uh, uh, now again, it's not that you keep doing that. If you're not getting anything back that that's then not, not somebody who, and again, to not take it personally, so much like dating, it is timing too. you know, maybe that they just don't have the energy or the bandwidth or the desire to expand their friend group. And, and that's okay. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or something Yeah, a lot like dating compatibility is about, are you, are you both looking for the same thing? Do you want a new friend? Do you want, and I, so I think it's important to uh, know that too, that your friendship has um, it's compatibility, it's chemistry, it's timing. sounds a lot like something else, right? You know, you're not just going to make friends with every person you meet. There's going to be a lot that are just like, oh, they're nice, but whatever it was, we just, it just didn't take off. And right. that's okay. That's, that is part of the process, especially when we get older and we're not just looking for warm bodies to go out with and get cute and dressed up, you know, and go to the bars or whatever it was, you know, that now we're looking for somebody that we can sit and have a long coffee conversation with. Those aren't everybody. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Those friendships, like you mentioned very situational timing of their life. Like you said, college going out, that's what a lot of us did. And so you, you know, morph into corporate world. And I kind of almost think friendships as that, like when you go into work, not every single coworker is your favorite. Right. Not every single person can do what, like no one can always present and be a speaker. Some people like to do the behind the scenes. And so that's the same thing with friendships. You end up working with people that may be having the same sort of values and those friendships. So like, I'm just thinking of ones I've had, um, in the corporate setting, mm-hmm. those that ended up being either acquaintances or became really good friends because we either worked on something similar and we were able to pull mm-hmm. that out to then meet each other in their personal lives and really cultivate friendships on other sort of topics and, um, areas. Being right. relatable, so, yeah, but it took, right. It took a little time, it took a little right. effort. And like you said, not everybody, was a fit. It, it is not judgment. It's just for whatever reason, there's, I believe there's conversational friendship sort of chemistry. And, and sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't click. Oh yeah. And so yeah, when you think right. about when you were, especially now, like you said, you're in the trenches of doing it. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest challenge to creating adult friendships? Well, um, I am, you know, just to, to be clear, you know, I was telling Molly before this started airing, I, I moved to a new state as well, a new state, new city, totally left my friendships that I'd worked so hard <laughs> to yeah. create. And so while I have some great friendships, they're not geographically desirable right now. They are not uh, where I live. And so, I mean, I've, I've gone to the, the app, the Bumble friendship making app. I mean, after all my dating, I thought, seriously, I have to go online again. You know, this is not my plan, but, um, never would I have thought I would do that. I told, I'll just tell you the truth. I told clients to do it, but I never thought I would do it. Right. And and now I'm, I'm there, you know, swiping right and left on, on friendship potentials. And I think the same thing things we're talking about runs true as far as, you know, I have, you know, let's say I've met one, a few people, uh, the one that really seems to be taking off more around my age, no children, 
married, but no children. Uh, she has the time. She has the energy. Her weekends look different than, than other people I've met who are, who are great, but their weekends are at the soccer fields and the swim lessons and the, you know, it, it's pretty eaten up. Uh, so, um, you know, finding that person that just is sort of in the same stage of life, I think is important. Um, and then, you know, same thing. I mean, it, it, you know, I would joke. I was like, oh my God, it's like I'm going on a date again. You know, I'd walk away kind of going, I mean, I, I think we both had a good time. You know, I don't know. You know, I mean, it was, oh my gosh, it was so reminiscent. Um, and sometimes you kind of walked away going, I don't talk again, you know, I, but, but like, you know, with the, with the one particular friend that's sort of taking off, I also was willing to, reach out and, you know, ask, you know, again, and, and, and so is she. And, and so, I mean, I think that that vulnerability, because it is a weird, it's a kind of dance, you know, your first, um, it's, is important. Um, and let's see, what was the other, was there another part of the question or, um, I just think about like the biggest challenges. And I think that oh, the challenges, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say time, you know, even I find myself, yeah. uh, you know, like, even though I'm, I'm really enjoying this, this gal that I met, you know, she's out of town for a week for something. Then I'm out of town for five days. And then, oh, my husband and I are going to go on this little trip. And then, uh, so I mean, it, it can be several weeks sometimes where we can't, is that ringing true to you too? Oh, totally. I, same situation where it's mm -hmm. like, let's try to plan something. Um, one of my friends that lives here and we're trying to look at something for October and it's just like, okay, let's try November like <laughs> right. already. So, um, yeah. that was last week when it was still the end of September. So, um, it gets tough. Yeah. And when you're an adult, like sometimes what, what's interesting, like, for example, my husband's an engineer. And so he travels quite a bit sometimes to do work. And so if I'm like, well, we have a date set up with, you know, this other couple, he tries his hardest to work around it. But if he can't, he's like, I am so sorry. Like he feels horrible because he knows how long it took to even get that planned. Right. So. Right. Or, you know, in my case, I'm married to a man who his downtime, his, that his idea of a good time is not to go meet strangers and talk to them. <laughs> He wants to chill out and be quiet. And, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need this, this interaction. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think you are, you know, depending on where you are single couple, if you're coupled, then you are having to sort of think about this other person, right. And what they're going to be up for, or what the schedule is. Uh, but, but the time thing, but, you know, I, I'll just give an example because since I'm in the trenches really working on this right now. Um, so this woman that I've mentioned several times that I've met on Bumble, uh, you know, we've hung out now three or four times and, um, she's traveling right now. And so am I, but I just shoot her. I shot her a text the other day. I was like, let's not wait till November until I reach out to her again. And let, you know, that's what friends do, right? Hey, how are your travels going? How's the weather there? You know, whatever. Right. And so I think trying to put that intention, behind it, even if you are busy and, and, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. It's also like the challenges time and just tiredness, like general energy level, right? right. It gets to be the end of the week. And, and this is what I say about the friendship thing for me. Your connection is one of, you know, I've, I've, I've identified through coaching, you know, what's my top three values and connection and fun. I've already mentioned two, but, um, 
know, connection is really important to me. And, and I get it through what I do for a living or through my husband, but it's not the same as girlfriends, right? right. And so I always say this, like, you know, I, I can kind of push it aside for that week because I'm tired or push it aside for another week, push it aside. And then you look up though, and six months have gone by and you haven't made a friend. And then you look up in a year, it's the cumulative impact for me, right? So if you're sitting there kind of going, yeah, I always like just, I'm just too tired. I get it. You just kind of keep kicking that can down the road because maybe you're not miserable, like, you know, lonely, but are you when you look up and realize really you don't have that and the only way it's gonna get there is if you do put in some energy and some time towards it yeah you just made me realize how much like so I have a friend from back home in Omaha um Nebraska and so she and I started this communication effort via text um, where we would video until our iPhone was like we're full of storage um <laughs> we would video chat each other every day. And that got to be a habit that we started in, let's see, May. And we do it now all the time. And I haven't physically seen her since May, but I get to, I taught, we talked, you know, even like maybe through Voxer Uh doing doing voice chat that way back and forth Mm -hmm. every once in a while. And we know each other's busy, but then it's like, Oh, I have this idea or I have this thing I want to run by you. Or like, does this dress look horrible? Like all these things normally couldn't get that's a great as an adult idea right now as a woman, but like maybe that'd right. be something that you had when you lived in the college dorm and you had a friend, right. That you right. or come so, over, let me pick out my date outfit with me or whatever. That's yeah. awesome. I love that y'all have done that. And it's hard and, to get yeah. there though, because it wasn't something we both really, really were thinking that we needed, but mm-hmm. it has really worked out really well. It's more or less to like developing the ones after you move when you are cultivating a new French, cultivating new friendships in a certain location seems to be Mm -hmm. like, you know, like you said, just having to be open and vulnerable and willing to put yourself out there. And there's there's practical tips like, well, first of all, you can get on the, you know, if you're somebody out there who's saying, okay, you know, I really, yes, I have good friends, but I don't want to have to get on a plane to go see them or a video call. I want, I want to eventually have, and I always say, all you need is one or two really even just one, right? Like you don't need 15 new friends. You need one or two. Uh, so that's good news. But if you're sitting there and you're thinking, this is something I want, you know, try the Bumble app. I've been amazed how many people are using it for mm-hmm. the friendship and the awesome women that are on there. Um, so people are on there. Uh, and and you first, and if you, you know, they're looking for friendship also. Right. right? <laughs> you don't have to guess if they're on that thing. They're also hungry for some friendship. So that's sort of a nice thing to know. Right. Whereas if you're in other environments, you kind of don't know, like, you know, is it going to be weird if I say, do you want to go have lunch or right? But I think that like, I go to a, a really small fitness studio mm-hmm. where it's not one of the big, massive places. And so therefore I have gotten to know a few of the women there. Now we're not quite where we're hanging out outside of that yet, but I could see that happening because we're getting to know each other. We're talking about our dogs and our whatever. And, you know, so there are, and then I joined as a entrepreneur. I feel like we sort of are lucky in this way in that there, at least in my area, there's a lot of women's 
entrepreneurial groups or yep. women in business. Uh, I, I plugged into that. And again, all you need is one or two. You don't have to love everyone in the group. And you don't even have to keep going, go there to find somebody that you can pick off, right? And make your friend, uh, meet up groups. I'll just be completely honest. There's not a lot in my area that I've looked that, but that's always something to look into. I think small, if you're into fitness, those smaller sort of boot camps or things that are, have a kind of a community built in, I think is a nice way as well. So there are tactical, like places you can try to put yourself as well. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, There are a lot of different meetup groups here for me, but at the same time, not all of them are ones that I want to join. But, you know, that also reminds me too, when you start to get into these groups, you have to remind yourself of the challenge of time. And I feel like um, one of the ladies that I have coached recently, she was talking about how, you know, her husband loves to travel and they put all these trips on the calendar. And next thing you know, there's no room for friends even though she made like maybe a handful of new friends. And she's like, well, when am I going to see so-and-so because now we have this trip planned and basically you have your whole summer. She basically had her whole summer planned. So didn't make any room for it. So it's also kind of, if you are married or in a um, committed relationship is having that conversation being like, I love you and everything. Mm -hmm. I want friends. So we need to make space for that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, my husband knows that it is crucial to my well-being, and he, and he doesn't, he knows he can't be everything that I need when it comes to the, the connection piece, but that, and, and so because of just who he is and major introvert and the way he likes to recharge, that means I will go do a lot without him. And, and he'll probably honestly love having total control of the remote and getting to chill out <laughs> and not having to engage, but awesome. yeah, having that honest conversation and, and yeah, you know, it's, if it's something you want, you got to make time for it. Just like you would, if you want to exercise or you want to, you know, build your business or whatever, it doesn't just come, you know, sit next to you and, and happen for you. You do have to yeah, it's not that's like we're in second grade again and we're actually yeah. alphabetized and how we sit and that's how we became our best friend that's because they had right. the last, you know. That's right, Molly. That's great. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Unfortunately not. No. Oh my gosh. Now I have another question with, mm-hmm. you know, when we make friends and we have those issues of like what some of our challenges are, what do you think are ways that we self-sabotage ourselves in making new friendships or even like keeping long-term friends as adults? Well, I know, you know, what I, I hear sometimes from my clients with either newer friends or either those long-term ones is maybe something starting to, to bother them or rub them the wrong way about the friendship. And they want to just burn it down. <laughs> they want to just be done with it instead of having maybe an awkward, uncomfortable, honest conversation about something. Right. We get our feelings hurt or, you know, we're thinking somebody's not as invested anymore or whatever it may be. And I get it. Again, we're so used to talking about having honest, vulnerable, weird, uncomfortable conversations with dating and partnership. But I, you know, I was telling a client the other day, she was talking about, you know, a friendship that's been in her life for over 20 years. And I said, just like a relation, a romantic relationship for 20 years, 
it might require some some tweaking, some some uncomfortable conversations, but we're just so used to thinking friendships are supposed to always be 10 out of 10. You know, they're always the same person. They're always attuned. And listen, it's hard. I am not, I get it. It's 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 awkward and it's hard. Uh, but I think if we can start to normalize that again, good friendships, safe friendships, you know, you can say, I'm I'm really feeling kind of off or, you know, this, this kind of hurt my feelings and, mm-hmm. and, and talk, talk it through. So I think sometimes we self-sabotage by boom, you know, friendships are supposed to always be easy, always be perfect. And so I'm out, you know, or that's no, that's something I don't want to be friends with anymore. Um, that's really the main one I see is not being able to be in that middle kind of gray area of exploring. Is there a way to make this better? Just deciding it's not, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to, not going to be a fit. Yeah. That I I've seen that I've done that in the past. Yes, so I too. completely know what you're talking about. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's pretty normal and natural out there. You know, you ask a lot of people like, Oh, how's so-and-so doing? And they're like, well, we kind of just had this thing and we just sort of quit talking and, you know, it's, it's, and you, they never really, you know, it probably could have been saved great or something, but we, again, I just think it hasn't been normalized that we do that with maybe our boyfriends or our girlfriends or, but Hey, what's up? You know, I'm, I didn't, you know, I, that hurt my feelings or I didn't like that, but we don't do that with our friends. And I think we right. can, I think we need to give them a little more credit that they have that. Resilience. Yeah. And then like what I do too, or have seen actually, even like mm-hmm. when people have shut off or pushed the friendship away hypothetically because of time. And then they rekindle the friendship. It's just like old things. And there's that reminiscent and they're very happy. And then the same problem shows up again. Mm. And then it's just like this, almost like a wave pattern where their friendship goes up and down so often that they're finally just comfortable with settling and letting it sit as is. And I like Mm. how you brought up like perfectionism that there's, you know, hypothetically Mm. relationships are supposed to be easy, which means that they're perfect. Um, but not every relation, nothing is ever perfect. So, um, you always have to work in for those. And I, you know, again, when I have a friend, when I have, excuse me, when I have a client who's sort of struggling with a friendship, you know, we talk about, you know, is this the kind of friend that you want to work toward keeping, or has it always been a friendship that didn't really, if you think about it, has it always felt unbalanced or not really like it was good for you? And you had to felt like you had to be on eggshells. Well, then that's maybe you just getting hope to a healthier place where you don't want that in your life. But if it, I go back to the word safe, if it really feels like a safe friend, somebody that's really been a good to you and for you and, and somebody that you, there's enough there I think we got to have some, some grace, you know, uh, I've had friends that have gone through difficult times, um, maybe newly divorced, whatever it is. And they're, they're the way they're handling it causes a bit of a schism between us, you know, and, and just trying to kind of think, well, you know, I value this person enough that I can kind of be grace filled there and, and see if it evens out. uh, and not take it personally. So much of what we do, right? So much of our suffering comes from taking it personally. Exactly. Especially when someone's going through something as big as getting a divorce. Yeah. The behavior definitely changes. 
speaking from my personal some. experience. <laughs> some, right. And everybody handles it differently. But, yeah. you know, some people go crazy and why some people, you know, re- retreat and don't want to talk, you know, every, but, uh, you know, to really realize that that doesn't mean they don't love you and care about you. It's just sometimes there's a season where they're just not able to be a very um, present friend for you. And what I'd also say to that, I could talk so much about, I've had that. I mean, I've been hurt by friends. You know, I've been in that situation where I felt neglected or, you know, that they were no longer at the level of friendship that I wanted. And I had to then think, well, what's in my control? Well, maybe I need to not look to that person for that as much anymore. They're just, they're not able to be my number one phone caller that always available. So where maybe else can I get that Uh, instead of just being angry and resentful and upset that, that that's not what they can be for you anymore. That makes a lot of sense. I think that a lot of people listening could relate to that for sure. Yeah. I've been on, I, I've, I've probably done it without even knowing maybe I've been on the other end, but I know I've had times where I had my feelings really hurt because, you know, I felt like you know, the, 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 the dynamic changed and I didn't feel as important or prioritized. And the, there's a tendency to want to be like that hurts. So we're done, you know, like never, yep. That person is not my friend anymore. And it's, well, maybe they just can't be what they've been. And you kind of need to accept a little bit of that and, and not look for that in that person for a while. Yeah. Maybe have their own growing to do too. So mm-hmm. everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask my audience, I asked my audience on Instagram about, you know, what questions do they have about adult friendships, making them, keeping them, everything. And so I have three unique questions to ask you. And one of the questions I'm going to be honest, and might be this first one is very relatable to what you might've said as self-sabotage, but we can discuss that again. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she asked after 36 years, I realized I'm in a one-sided relationship with my best friend. Every time we get together, I think it will be different, yet it isn't, and I get disappointed. I put a lot into the relationship, but for my best friend, it seems like it's a friendship based off of convenience. What can I do, and why am I stuck in this pattern? Mm. Yes, I've kind of covered a bit, but to answer this directly, I first would get really honest about, has this has this always been the dynamic, and you you because of who you were, whoever this list, you know, uh, person is that asked the question because of who, who you were at the time you allowed it. And you, you fed into that dynamic where you were always just the helper. You were always the one listening and you didn't really, you know, advocate for that time for you to talk and for you to share, or has something changed to me? That's, Mm -hmm. that's important. Uh, it it could be that, that this, this follower of yours has changed, right? This, and and she now wants a different kind of friendship. Uh, so, so then you gotta, it's always looking here and saying, have I changed is what I want changed or, so I think that would be important for me to know. And then again, if it's somebody you think is truly, the friendship is is rooted in really a deep connection. And there's like, then maybe it is worth that awkward, hard conversation. The other option would be, you know, I find this when I was dating, I always would say this. They never asked me anything about me. They never asked me anything about me. Did you ever? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Very much so. I was yeah. like, oh, we're done after dinner's over. <laughs> yeah, it was always. And I, I listen, I think that was true. Like some men just were not good at that. I also think I filled 
I asked them so much about them. I put the spotlight on them because I'm good at that. And I didn't always take the initiative to just talk about myself or, you know, uh, and I, it's a, it's a nuanced thing. I mean, I get it. They should ask some questions, but, you know, I was with a friend recently who is just right now at a time where I do feel like a lot of it's about her and you know, the dinner was going on and I was thinking, I haven't shared some of the exciting things that I've, you know, got going on. So I just, in a lull, I just said, well, I'm really excited about what I have going on. You know, I've got the, and, she, and then she had great response, but I had to, I had to sort of insert myself there. So I would tell this person, you know, you've got to first look at like, do you really think this person's selfish? I mean, do, if you really do and you have, then maybe it's just not going to be your best friend anymore. We do outgrow friendships. Yeah, we do. And, and, and I was, before I got on this call with you, I was thinking, you know, I've always heard every seven years, have you heard that Molly, that every seven years we sort of change our friend group or it, it, it anyway, I've always kind of heard that anecdotally. It's funny that you say that, but I would say mine is definitely between five and seven. It's yeah. interesting. It is. And and I sort of just poked around real quickly. And there are some studies, you know, that, that point to, to that, but I guess whether it's seven years, five years, whatever, do it is normal to change and to have some people kind of fall off and, and new ones come on. So sometimes we, we are really there more because of history mm-hmm. than connection, yeah. than real connection. And that doesn't mean you have to like have a big breakup. It just means that you need to go get your needs met. And maybe you need to start investing your time in different friends or making new friends if that's important to you. Yeah. I love how you gave all those options and I cannot wait for her to listen to this episode. (laughs) Okay. The next one, my partner and I have decided not to have children, which has caused some issues in our friendship circles. Okay. This might be very similar to what we've already discussed. For him, it's only scheduling issues um, when to meet up with his friends. But for me, it's different. I'm rarely invited to things because all my friends' lives are focused around their children, their kids' sports, birthday parties, family get-togethers. When we do get together, that's all I hear about is the kids. And I never hear anything about her. What can I do to get my friend back so we can enjoy time together? Mm, man. This one, one, I get, right. You probably do too, Molly is, is not having, having the kiddos. No, first of all, I do have some friends who have kids and like, they hardly ever mention their kids. (laughs) (laughs) And and I mean, you know, whether that's good or bad, like it's, it's fun. Cause we don't talk about, you know, I mean, again, I'm, I'm willing to hear a few updates, but I don't, that's not why I'm, you know, hanging out. Right. I I want to hear about the person. So they do exist. And then there are some people who their identity becomes their children. Uh, that, that is, that is, there's, there's two different types of parents out there, moms, but parents out there. So I guess I'd say the awkward conversation is the, is the, right. Is an option. It sounds like she really likes this friend. What can I do to keep this friend? It sounds like she really wants to keep this friend. So the, the, like, I love hearing about your kids, but you know, what's going on with you? And truth is she may not know. And she may have gotten a bit lost. And what a cool friend you could be to maybe help her have some identity outside of her kids. Uh, Now, she may or may not want to, but you may be the only person 
that says, but I'm curious about you or what do you think? What are you happy? Or, you know, what are you interested in? Is this even just the honest conversation? Like, are you happy? You know, some moms feel like they have to sound like it's the best thing that's ever happened to them and not admit that it is, but it's also really hard. Right. So right. there's the, there's the calling out the elephant in the room, however you want to call it out. Right. That there's, there's that option. And then I would tell this, this lovely person also put some energy toward making some, some friends that, that have, that are in the same stage of life. Yeah, totally. There's You've a- already covered that for sure. In the beginning. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I could definitely see that for this person. And it's so sweet that they asked, like, what can I do to get my friend back? I know it makes me, yeah, yeah. Wonderful to pull that out of her. And I like how you said that too, that the thing that sometimes we don't even notice is how much our identity can get wrapped into things. Um, and especially as adults getting wrapped into, um, other people, our identity. So that was a great call out to be honest. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's, I know I have clients who don't really know who they are outside of their children. Um, and, and some may want to face that and some may not, but I think it's a really cool gift to, and then I would also say plan a, um, again, it's sort of location and, and where you are and setting makes a difference. So could you go away for a night? Cause you're probably going to get a different version than at lunch with the kids playing in the, at the playscape you know, at a, at a children friendly restaurant, <laughs> that's probably going to be a different version of your friend than if you could go spend a night somewhere and exactly. have, she could truly feel more freedom. Yep. I totally agree. Okay. Number three, this one definitely <laughs> is you and me right now. <laughs> okay. I moved across the country. Well, the beginning is I moved mm-hmm. across the country two years ago for a man I was dating. So we moved in mm-hmm. <laughs> and found a job. We settled down, got engaged but eventually broke it off because I spent most of my time working. And with him, I don't have very many friends. How do I make friends when living in some new environment? I feel like you did cover this so well with the bumble and whatnot. Is there anything else that you think we need to add to this one? No girl, I would just say be brave. And, and I know it's, I know it's, it's not easy. I, I always, you know, when I, my clients that are single in a new city, what do they do? They immediately start dating. Well, for a variety of reasons, but somewhat, because it's very normalized to get on a dating app and go on dates. That's nor- that's normalized. Like, of course you're going to do that. And you can be new to town and that fills your time and gets you to meet people. And so it's, it's, it's a more awkward dance. It's a more awkward sort of putting yourself out there to make friends. You know, Bumble app was an awkward move for me. I did not, but that you'll be surprised you're not alone, yeah. you know, and, and how many people are in that same boat. So if, I think it's, it's truly kind of more of a, a mindset thing of getting over that that's weird or awkward or somehow, how would you have friends there? How yeah. would you like, like, no, of course you don't. It's not because you've done anything wrong or there's anything wrong with you. It, it's sort of circumstantial. Right. And, uh, but it is up to you to, 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 to get what you need, you know? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for this. Can you please tell the ladies where they can find you, learn more about yeah. you? Um, and I know that you have, like you said, speaking and 
Yeah. Coaching available too, if you want to share any of that information as well. Sure. Of course. Thank you. Thanks, Molly. So uh, a couple of ways that you could stay in touch. I have a, on Instagram, you can find me at girl, get your roots done. And I have to sort of explain that. Uh, Yes. It's sort of a play on a, a woman who, you know, spends way too much time and money with her hair, but it's about getting your roots done, being grounded, what, what grounds you, uh, what you're rooted in as a woman. So it's, it's a, a, a site where I share, you know, different advice, uh, you know, all of it sort of sitting around how you can become confident, whether it's in finding friendships, your career, uh, how you're finding your partner. Uh, and then my website is amandamcpherson.net. And through that, you can look into coaching uh, services, speaking, trainings, uh, different opportunities I have there. Fantastic. And ladies, I will be like always including that in the show notes. So it's easy to find her. So thank you once again, joining me here to talk about friendships. Cause it like, we have, we could discuss once again, it's very difficult to do as adults and it's very tricky sometimes for women, especially. So thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Hope it was helpful. Thank you. Isn't Amanda wonderful. What I loved most was her honesty, like sharing that she too is in this friendship building stage. Now that she has moved to a new state. Sometimes I think that we forget how effortless it really was to, you know, make friends when we were in school, whether that was third grade or, you know, freshman year of college, when we're surrounded by people who were going through a similar transition or similar life stage, it just makes sense why we would become friends. Once we're out and about working, our social group, our dynamics, they just change. There's people who are older or younger in their own life transitions. There's people with different values and goals as you. So it makes navigating, cultivating, and nurturing friendships more of a process where we have to be vulnerable, open, and trust ourselves through those ups and downs, just like dating. Now, I'm curious, what practical tip are you going to try that Amanda shared? I want to know. You can find me on Instagram and either leave a comment on the reel that I have with Amanda, or you could just send me a DM. If you do, I'll tell you what steps I'm taking to cultivate friendships as well. All right, lady, enjoy your day, and I will chat again with you soon.